week's episode of the Red Bull Rant is brought to you by the fine patrons that support us through patreon.com slash Red Bull Rant. You can support us for the low, low price of $1 a month, and you can get exclusive content, including a monthly wrap-up for the New York Red Bulls. We want to send a special shout-out to our patrons who support us at $5 a month. That is our producer-level reward. Thank you to Jeremiah Dempster, William Martin, Clayton John, and Christopher Admack. Now, on to the show. This is the Red Bull Ramp Podcast. If you aren't expecting adult language, why even bother listening? Welcome, my friends, to the show never ends. This is the Red Bull Ram Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Ipico, and this is episode 360. Baby, you've got a stew going. Uh, yeah, tonight I don't have Pat or Truman with me. Um, apparently, the bachelor party was too much last week and decided to ditch me this week. Um, hopefully, they'll show up for the wedding. But thankfully, I do have a special guest host to help me out tonight. So I would like to welcome back to the show. I think it's actually been like close to two years now. Uh, former write, uh, staff writer at onceametro.com, host of the Forestine Fires podcast, now writing at uh, danielforestine.com. I just said his name two times. Daniel Forestine, welcome back to the show. Well, you know, Jason, it's been a long time since we've uh, spoken and done a podcast. Thank you very much uh, for the invite. I appreciate it. And uh, I only hope that that bachelor party, you got some juicy tidbits for us uh, passing along, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, it was. If, if you listened to last week, it wasn't that fun. <laughs> it wasn't that kind of party. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not having a real bachelor party, so. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So apparently, my bachelor party was me and uh, Pat talking about soccer for 30 minutes. <laughs> <With the, laughs> hey, listen, it's okay to do something like that as long as you get the beer going. That's all that matters. But that's no, okay. I, I, I didn't have the beer going either. But that's oh, that's all right. I, I, I'm not drinking as much as these days. So uh-huh. now we 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 know what uh, what your regular job is, and we I understand. That's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm, sa- I'm, sa- I'm saving it up for Saturday. So. There you go. There you go. That's all I like to hear, big boy. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get into this. The Red Bulls uh, are back, or sort of back on track now. Uh, two straight two-goal victories, this time 2 nothing over Toronto FC. Uh, Chris Armas' first game back at Red Bull Arena since he was let go last year. Uh, Toronto looked good for about the first 30 minutes, and then I think they kind of switched off and let the Red Bulls back into the game. Uh, before we talk about it, as uh, we usually do, we're going to read our tweets first. So we got three of them this week. Uh, first, Tonito, Tonito M at Tonito M on Twitter. We don't need forwards. Maybe we should play with a four-six-zero formation. I think Royer was better as a midfielder. Not disagreeing. We'll have to. We'll talk about that uh, next. Uh, Rochesco at Rochesco on Twitter. Who needs Tim Parker with opponents like these? Also, certain irony about Jay Tolkien playing on a team without a ring. And you, you, know, what's, you know what's funny is I'm actually re- reading Lord of the Rings right now. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, just start, I just started last week. Uh, and <laughs> the last tweet, Anthony Gaffera at Gaffera316. It was nice to be there in person for the return of Chris Armas doing what he does best at Red Bull Arena. Lose. 
Oh, there we go. I, there I'm pretty. Go. I'm pretty sure that was a joke. Yeah, it's always going to be a listen. Look, I mean, I think we can all agree. I mean, look, um, Chris Armis. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a tough act to follow when you have Jesse Marsh basically, you know, running the New York Red Bulls, doing everything he can, um, you know, the the passion that and the energy that oozes out of every pore of Marsh's body, you know, makes those players play hard for him. And, you know, I'm not saying that these players did not play hard for Chris. I'm just saying that, you know, at that time, look, Chris just became, you know, a head coach out of the blue because Jesse went over and was already asked to be part of Salzburg's uh, coaching staff. Now, we all know about Jesse, what's going on. He went from Salzburg to run it, excuse me, Leipzig's uh, uh, coaching staff to running Salzburg. And now he's going back to Leipzig as the head coach in the German Bundesliga, and what Jesse Marsh has done has been fantastic, fantastic and phenomenal. Um, you, how much more can we say about the job he's done? But for Chris Armas, this was his first real head coaching job. Yeah, he was part of the coaching staff when he, you know he, Jesse Marsh took over, but you know it just didn't work. And I have nothing negative about Chris Armas. I have nothing bad to say about him. Obviously, uh, the personal things, you know, that he did for me, uh, you know, when my father died from Parkinson's, you know, I'll always remember uh, the nice thing he did for my mother and me when I was down in Florida and, you know, um, and, uh, you know, mourning my father's death and stuff. But the truth is, there's nothing you can do about, you know, the coaching side of things. It just didn't work out, you know. And at the same time, if, if I'm sounding a little sentimental or, or a little bit towards Armis's way, if the pandemic never happened, Jason, who knows? Maybe Armis would have figured things out the, you know, last season because he got off to a four-point start. I would say about what two and a three, two three month, um, you know, separation because the pandemic shut everything down, and then you go into the MLS's back tournament, and then you go back to playing in the stadiums with no fans, and then it didn't just work out at all. I mean, we don't know what would have happened, but look, Chris is in Toronto. He has Toronto FC. We have Gerhard Struber. There's nothing much you can say about it. Gerhard Struber's here, and right now, I think at the moment, Struber has done a very good job. Yeah, and my I, I've mentioned this before. My problem with Armis was never personal. It was always about results on the field. And as we said, Pat and I repeated last week, results ultimately matter. Um, unfortunately, Armis did not get the results, and that's why he was um, released. It was a purely sporting decision, and I don't think anybody from a sporting perspective can really argue that that's the wrong decision. Um, and I, I hope Armis is well, I hope he finds success. Um, we need more American coaches in general and to a degree, not to try to get too political, but we need, um, American coaches that are not the same skin color. Uh, we need that. We need diversity. So if he gets, uh, improves and he becomes a better coach. That's only good for not only him, but American soccer in general. And I'm on board with that. So as long if, if whenever he plays the Red Bulls, I'm going to root we win, obviously. But if 
he gets better as a coach, I am happy because that means we have more American coaches that are going to be successful in the long exactly. run. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> All right, but let's let's get back to this actual game. So, uh, Dan, as, as we usually do, we do like and, likes and dislikes first. So uh, we usually start with likes because we or sorry, dislikes because we want to end on a happy note when talking about games. So, what did you dislike the most about the match against Toronto? Um, there really wasn't much to dislike except for that one moment in the first half where um, I, I I saw some poor decisions being made by the back line and the goalkeeper in the Coronel. Um, there was a moment where I thought that the lackadaisical effort to uh you know possess and then clear the ball uh was just not there that's the only moment i had that was a dislike because they gave they almost gave toronto a free shot at uh, an open goal thankfully it didn't go in it went wide and out but you know look i understand coronel um Coming from uh, Salzburg, and Struber knows him well over in in Austria. I mean, look, uh, we we can't have a goalkeeper, you know, falling apart in front of us uh, the way he did for that one moment. Other than that, he had nothing to do. And other than that, um, I was happy with the entire match. But that's the only dislike I have. Uh, what was your dislike? Uh, that first thirty minutes, basically. Um... I felt TFC came into the match, basically played the Red Bulls high-pressure system. And unfortunately, this is a trend I think we've seen over the years, not just with Struber and Armas, but also with Jesse Marsh, is that there are definitely times where when this team gets pressured on um, high up the pitch in their defensive end, they seem to not be able to know how to get the ball out. Um under Martian Armas is always called there's no plan B if the high press doesn't work. Uh, I think there's sort of a plan B here because you can tell as much as they were doing possession-based stuff at the beginning that minus the last days of the goal um, mistake that almost cost us a goal, there was some sort of plan for beating the press. But whatever that plan is at the moment is not working. And long-term, that needs to be fixed. Um, Giving the first four games of the year and how things have shaken out, I am feeling better that that problem will work itself out. Uh, My biggest concern now is the fact that we have uh, a new player coming in this week. Uh, We have a player that is supposedly leaving the team at the end of June, who right now leads the team in assists. And turnover in the middle of a season where you're trying to get a team to come together and play cohesively is going to just introduce more problems. And I understand that's a fact of life. It's something we could avoid. Mm-hmm. But to a degree, there's planning here that should that was either not taken into account or just discarded. And I'm, af- I'm afraid that that may impact how the team plays together going forward. I'm really hoping that now with the uh, – I'm going to butcher his name because that's just who I am apparently. Uh, Kamala, right? Or Kamala? Kamala? Yeah. 
Kamala. Okay. Klimala. K L I M A L A. So it's there's an I in there. So Klimala. Klimala. So when he comes in, I'm hoping he'll make the team better. But I am worried about that cohesiveness. It will probably form with Fabio and it going away if Fabio were to go back to Brazil. So no, I, I understand where you're coming from. Now, I don't know if you are aware of this or not. There is an option to buy uh, to the Brazilian club that has uh, Fabio's rights right now. So if the Red Bulls want to keep him and and hopefully he works well with Klamala, you know, who's already with the club, actually, uh, he was in training today. Um, he is with the club. So all I can say is, is that. If Fabio continues to do the right things so far, and he has been doing the right things, I know he hasn't scored yet, but you gotta love what you're seeing from him. That he is a threat up top. So far, he's been stopped by the keeper, he's been stopped by the post. Uh, he had a chance at a second goal. Unfortunately, it deflected off of his leg and went out. He wasn't even prepared to take that cross from Caceres in the match, but. You know, look, if Fabio shows enough by the Red, you know, for Struber and the Red Bulls, um, I would love to see them buy the contract, bring him permanently over here as a player uh, for this club. And if, if Klimala does work out well with Fabio up top, then we got a great striker partnership that we didn't expect to have at the start of the season. Um, and nothing against Barlow or Brian White, which, you know, I, I root for them too. You know, we got to root for these guys. They worked hard to get over there. But, you know, it, it, it comes to the point where, you know, if the performance is not where it is for these two guys, then you have no choice but to use both Klamala and Fabio up top. And they're going to have to use Brian White and Barlow as substitutes, or you're just going to have to give them playing time back at the Red Bull 2 and USL Championship. I mean, that's really all you got to do, as we've all said. It's all about performance-based results. And if the certain results are not where they should be, well, then look, then Fabio and Klamala are the ones that are probably going to go forward right now. Look, it's too early at the moment. You know, it's only been four matches. But at this point in time... Um, this is the hope when you bring over this highly touted player who is a Polish youth international in Klamala that could be in the works for the senior side for Poland. Yeah, I'm really hoping whatever the situation is that at this point that they'll buy him because it seems like he'll work out. Um, And actually that's going to be my like is Fabio because he's putting the work in, right? I mean, he's not getting results in terms of goals, but his vision has been probably the biggest driver in these last two wins for the Red Bulls. Um, His two assists obviously were the two assists that led to goals in the last game. Um, The assist this game, I think might actually be better than the first two uh, last week because Mm -hmm. his back is to goal his instinct should be to, in theory, turn around and shoot the ball. But he sees Caden Clark, lays it off, and not only that, I don't know if everybody caught it, but instead of just kicking the ball backwards, he intentionally topped it with his foot. Like, he kicked it with his studs on the ball and, like, the top half of the ball to keep it on the ground and slow it down. 
That ball almost came to a stop before Clark got to it, which allowed Clark to put the power into the kick that he needed. That kind of thinking on the fly is definitely not something you can teach. That is an, an innate skill that you just have to have. No, that's very true. And you know what? I give Fabio a lot of credit, um, especially – you know, this is what I always say about a player. It's not so much the technical ability that they have. they got to have their head screwed on right. you got to use your brains all the time. you got to make sure you know where you are on the pitch and how you have to assess yourself when you have the ball – when you're looking for a pass, when you're trying to take a shot, or even when you're going to take a free kick, however you get it done, you've got to have your head screwed on right because you can be the most – excuse me. You have to be the most technically gifted player to do anything and everything. And if I can go back, that's why I always talk about Thierry Henry because Thierry Henry – was very, I think, technical. We all know how technical he was. He was very tactical. And at the same time, he knew his surroundings very well. Whether he was attacking the area, whether he was inside the area with his back towards goal, making so many wonderful plays, scoring so many wonderful goals. It's amazing to see him go out there and performing, not just at a high level, but just performing like he's pulling all of these goals like it's nothing. Like it's a regular day at the office for him. And he's just amazing. To me, Fabio, I I don't believe he's at the level of Henri right now. But from what I've seen so far of him, I think at the moment he's at the start of something wonderful. And somewhere down the road, if he's going to be big for us uh, or for the Red Bulls, or maybe he gets transferred somewhere else after he's done here, hopefully um, he remains here and the Red Bulls do purchase uh, that option. Uh, I think he can be a real threat in Major League Soccer, and I really think he could be a real threat um, for this club down the road. Yeah, he definitely has the high upside that you want to see coming into this league out of out of South America or really anywhere. But to, to bring a player on who has a high upside, I don't think we've had that for a few years. It's no. been missing, and to have that finally appear is almost like a breath of fresh air. And it's that, it's not like scouting gets it right. I mean, scouting can only get you so far. It's up to the player to to take it the rest of the way. It, it seems like. Fabio has the mentality and and the skills to to do that. <clears throat> I mean, I remember the first game he played. He was when he got subbed off. You could tell he was pissed that he was being taken off because he felt he could have done better and they should be on the field doing more. Yeah. And over the last four games, and I'm, I'm sure it was more of a fitness than anything else, really. In, yes. In the first week of the season, but his minutes have steadily progressed week over week. Which means one is fitness is getting there, but two, Schubert is trusting him to be on the field later in the game and do do things to help this team succeed. And from what I can tell, that is not a misplaced trust at this point. That is has been well earned. And until he does something really bad, I don't think he's gonna lose that trust from Schubert, which is important. No, I agree with you there. I agree with you, and I think Struber right now is trusting some players right now. They're doing some uh, some great work, especially Caden Clark. Um, I don't know how much you've raved about Caden Clark, Jason, but I gotta tell you, um, Caden Clark 
to me is basically uh, the real deal. I mean, we're seeing a 17-year-old playing like he's been in the league for over six, seven years, and he's just continuing to show smarts. He's continuing to show how brilliant he is, the technical ability he has. I mean, the stealing of the ball, and this is my like of Caden Clark, actually. I mean, this is my like. How he was able to read the play, read uh, the Toronto defender trying to bring the ball up, the fullback trying to bring the ball up. He catches him lollygagging, steals the ball, attacking the area, found Fabio inside the Toronto area. Then he turns and put his back towards goal. Saw, And then Fabio saw, obviously, Frankie Amaya wide open, laid it off to Frankie Amaya, and bang, it's in the back of the net. And then, of course, the hustle he got to that ball. That was loose where Fabio tried to handle it. But, of course, like you said, he put it in an area so that Clark can get to it. So was Caceres, but Clark got to it first and he just taps it home into an empty net. We're seeing a kid, you know, coming out of nowhere, a 17-year-old kid proving that this is the next phase of American soccer players doing a job in MLS – we all know what's going to happen. At the end of the year, he's going to Red Bull Leipzig. He'll be with Jesse Marsh. He'll be with Tyler Adams. It's a shame he's not going to stay more, but you never know. Maybe things will change. Maybe they'll talk to uh, hierarchy at Red Bull Global to say, listen, can we keep him for another year because we would love to have him perform and perform. And if he gets a national team call up, but I'm not saying it'll be for Burhalter and the senior men's team. I don't know if he's ready for that, but if he is, good you know, good luck to him, and hopefully he does well. I expect him for an under-20 World Cup or at least an under-20 national team call-up and being qualifying for uh, an under-20 World Cup for him because the truth is, is this. Caden Clark was on the provisionary roster or the preliminary roster for the Olympics. Jason Christ never took him. Could you imagine if Caden Clark was on that qualifying roster for the Olympics if he was on that roster for the Olympics for Japan this summer, do you think he would have done some damage in Mexico? I think he would have. And I'm not saying this because you know he plays for the Red Bulls. I'm saying because if you watched his abilities with the ball and without the ball and how he attacks and everything is you know, like in his mind, he's probably a step or two ahead – of maybe other 17-year-olds that are playing in MLS or are playing right now, you know, maybe USL League Two, maybe NPSL. We don't, you, you know, whatever league they're going to be in. If Caden Clark right now is playing this way and destroying competition and opponents left and right, if he was on this Olympic team that was supposed to be qualifying for the some for the, the the Japan Games. If he was on that qualifying roster by um, Jason Christ, I, no doubt in my mind, they would have scored more goals in that tournament, and they probably would have advanced into the Olympics if they didn't lose to Honduras two goals to one. Yeah, uh, I I think if he was on that team, it would definitely would have helped. Unfortunately, that's a you know a, a what if at this point. And mm-hmm. I mean, he still has a chance to. to uh, uh, yeah, he'll still have a chance to qualify for Olympics because he's only 17. So it's under 23. If if he's not playing with the full national team at that point in four years, 
or three years? Yep. Three years. Yeah, that's right, because it got pushed back a year. Yep. Um, so if he's not played the full national team in three years, then there's a possibility of him trying to qualify for uh, Olympics. So he's not he's not out of that realm yet, but hopefully he keeps, continues to get better. My only issue is that there are times where I feel like he – I don't know if it switched off is the right right way to phrase it, but there are stretches of the game where he can kind of disappear um, and not disappear in like a – puts in a defensive shift way where you never really notice anybody playing defensively, but just kind of – I mean, he's a kid. He's 17. He's yeah. not perfect, but – there's parts of his game that need improvement, so hopefully those the parts of his game that need that improvement will get better over time. <clears throat> All right, uh, I think we kind of talked about the TFC game to death, so we, we can move <laughs> on. All right, so the predictions um, the, from last week, all of us, Pat Truman and I, predicted a win. None of us got the score, so we're all still tied for first place. I don't know how we how the three of us have gone four weeks now without somebody taking a lead, but so we're all there. First place, three points, uh, which brings us to the match this week, which of course, MLS had a schedule on my wedding day, which we talked about it. Coincidentally, the same exact matchup happened on Truman's wedding day two years ago. And it was just kind of weird. Um, or yeah, two years ago. And it was just kind of weird how it worked out this way. Red Bulls will be traveling down to Philly to take on the Union. That game is uh, Saturday, May 15th, 7 p.m. kickoff, which probably really means like 7.10. Uh, MSG or ESPN Plus for those out of uh, the area. Uh, for the predictions, Truman already gave – and Pat already gave me his. Truman is saying a 1-1 draw. Pat is saying a 2 nothing win in honor of my wedding. So apparently he <laughs> thinks it's going to provide some good good mojo. There you go. Uh, I am going to go with a one nothing win myself. I think this momentum off the last two games is something that they can build on. Uh, Philadelphia, I think, played today. Yes, they're playing yeah. right now. Last I checked was scoreless. Uh, it's, um, it's over. They, they they tied the game at 1-1, I think. Okay. But So they just played the Revs today where we have had a, a week off at – that's it always helps to have your opponent be on shorter rest. Um, Philly does not seem to be at the level that they were last year, which part of that could be CCL and having to travel so much part of that could just be, there's a little bit of a step down performance wise. Either way, this is a prime opportunity for the Red Bulls to take three points off of a conference opponent that is expected to do well. And it's something that, in my opinion, should happen because, come on, this is Philly. They should never beat us. I know, I know, I know. The, I know it happens, but they shouldn't. Yes. All right. No, so. I understand. No, listen, look. I mean, um, you know, this Philadelphia Union team has really been uh, exciting to watch in the Concacaf Champions League uh, in those matches, like obviously against uh, uh, Deportivo Saprissa. As well as, uh, you know, basically just taking out Atlanta United in the quarterfinals. Uh, that was an amazing first leg down in Atlanta, a 3 nil white wipeout wash, you know, just, just killing them off, you know, in that second half. 
and then just all that you had to do is just get that fourth insurance goal and then uh, aggregate is all yours. Um, I-, I will say this. Depending on who played and who started, if Casper Shabilko is going to start in this one, I think the Red Bulls are going to have a little bit of an issue. He's been basically red hot for for the union but obviously when you get into league play it's a whole different ball game but um honestly it's just a situation where i, I really believe that the you know the union are ripe for the picking here for the red bulls the red bulls must go into philadelphia and they're going to have to go and do a, a job and they're going to really have to concentrate hard the one thing we think we both have said and we both also disliked is that um, there are moments where they shut off or they switch off and they can't do that against this Philly team. You switch off, they'll bury it past you. You got to take on Andre Blake, who is not only a, na- a great goalkeeper, he's also a national team goalkeeper for Jamaica. I mean, his positioning is unbelievable. Um, you know, stop shot blocker, you know, stops the ball very well. Um, you really got to bury your chances against Andre Blake because if you're not going to take advantage of this union team right now and, you know, solve Jim Curtin's tactics, this will be a loss. So I think, I, I think Philly will get a goal, but I think the Red Bulls can win this one. And I think it'll be a two, one victory for the Red Bulls on Saturday night. Well, let's hope that the, the Moduro that they've gotten continues because we we needed to see a winning team. We we haven't really seen a successful or a consistent team, unfortunately, for about a year and a half, two years now. So it'd be some nice to see a team in in a Red Bull uniform pick up consistent points on the either on the road or at home. <clears throat> All right. Uh so New York Red Bulls, too, are quick summaries. Uh, they drew their last match 1-1 against the Charleston Battery. The next match is this Friday, May 14th, against uh, Miami FC, 7 o'clock p.m. I think it's the first match officially between the two of them and mm-hmm. USL. Yep. I don't even know much about Miami FC, honestly. Like, I mean, I don't know much about most of the USL teams, but they're brand new. I don't even know who their owner is. Uh, their owner is Ricardo Silva. Uh, oh God, that guy! Oh yes, it's that guy. <laughs> All right. So for anybody that that was not around, like, what was it like six years ago at this point? Ricardo Silva was the guy who had bought the Cosmos, and after he could not get into MLS, was playing in the A N A S L, the second version of it. Uh, that league unfortunately went under under again, and Ricardo Silver tried suing. I think it was MLS and Soccer United Management for basically blocking his team from entering the league. No, you're thinking about uh, Rocco Camiso. Oh, okay. Wait, then which one was Silva? Silva, he's in. Uh, he's a South American uh, guy. He's a uh, t. He's a communications guy. TV rights. Uh, owner like sells uh uh how you call it uh he does like you know sites like for writing uh sports sites um business sites he also does um 
uh, how you call it? He 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 can sell the rights to uh, broadcasting uh, matches uh, all over the world, including like most, especially like in Spain or in South America, stuff like that. So that's what he does. He's been trying to, you know, talk to uh, you know the league and and U.S. Soccer of you know changing things up, like you know. Uh, promotion relegation to come into the U.S. and you know watch me uh, give you all of the uh, you know the money in the world to all these uh, you know uh, television rights deals and everything. So you know it's one of those things that uh, he you know he can uh, try and do for everyone. But uh, um, I know former Red Bull player Lloyd Sam uh, once played. Uh, for Miami FC, he's no longer on the club. It looks like, as I'm looking at their uh, uh, roster right now. Um, actually, uh, former Red Bull Two midfielder uh, Speedy Williams is actually uh, in the midfield for Miami FC. So uh, we all remember Speedy with the uh, Red Bull Two team that won the USL Championship back in the day, and then of course uh, those two other years with Louisville uh, City. So, um, you know, look, this is a uh, this is a situation where, uh, you know, this is going to be a, a team that's uh, going to be tough to play against. They have an owner that, uh, you know, they uh, they play their home matches at Florida International University. The stadium is named after Mr. Silva. Uh, they were in the NASL. They had a big run in the Open Cup in 2018, lost to. FC Cincinnati, when they were in the USL, of course, they had that great run in the Open Cup until they met the Red Bulls in the semifinals and lost it in extra time, three goals to two. Of course, uh, Gonzalo Verón made it uh, 2-1, and then BWP makes it 3-2, leveling it in uh, regulation and gets the match winner in extra time. So um, this is going to be a tough matchup for Red Bulls, too. But uh, we'll see what uh, John Wallenick has up his sleeve for this one. So I I was right about him trying to sue for promotion relegation. Right? That's, correct. About, That's so correct. He, so it, he just didn't own the Cosmos. But he did try in 2017. He tried to file a uh, request for arbitration with the Court of Arbitration for Sport to That's force correct. FIFA, CONCACAF, and U.S. Soccer to allow promotion relegation to occur. Yes. So he did. He did try, but he didn't. He didn't win. No. So, yeah, but I, I remember that he definitely caused some some stink at some point. <laughs> yes, he caused some angst back in the day, and uh, he did not win. But you know, uh, hopefully that day we'll see what happens. Somewhere down the road, um, I, I don't think we're we're there yet for promotion relegation. I know everyone wants it. I, I still think that, uh, and like I, I've my say on this subject real quick, and then if we want to move on, we'll move on. But my 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 opinion is this: every club in whether it's an MLS, USL Championship, even League One, NPSL, you know, UPSL, whatever professional or, or semi-professional leagues that we have. You know, in U.S. soccer, we all have to have our own stadiums. We can't keep renting facilities that you can't control uh, the revenue. You can't control the start times. You've got to find a way to have everyone have a stadium that they own, that they can con- 
control and not have any interference with another entity that actually owns the stadium instead of you do. That's the only way we're going to get this thing done. Yeah, well, allowing certain teams into this league definitely goes against that. So. Yes, I know. <laughs> we that's that's a dead horse subject. We won't talk about it. No, that's right. it. We're done. <laughs> All right. Uh, so moving on, Gotham FC. Uh, they played to a one-one draw in regulation against the Portland Thorns in the NWSL Challenge Cup final. Unfortunately, they lost six-five in penalty kicks. I mean, if you're going to go down in penalty kicks, you might as well go down at that point, right? Six-five. Exactly. Exactly. I'll be honest. I I thought uh, I didn't know that was actually Sky Blue and that they renamed themselves, um, uh, which I love. I love this name, Gotham FC. Um, I, I thought they did a very good job. And, of course, they're playing at uh, Montclair as well. Is that true? Uh, they were during the Challenge Cup. And actually, this leads me to the next point. Uh, the next match uh, is the first of the NWSL regular season. Uh, I think it looks like this Challenge Cup is here to stay as a preseason tournament now. Uh, that game is the regular season game is May 15th against the Houston Dash. At Red Bull Arena, which I believe is supposed to be their regular stadium from now on. Uh, and they sold out the lower bowl of Red Bull Arena. Now, what that capacity is given COVID, I don't know. But either way, I still think that's a good sign that they're selling out whatever the capacity is for lower bowl in that stadium. I remember when they played there last year, they had some pretty good crowds show up. So that's encouraging news for this team going forward. And if they can build a fan base off of this, playing in Red Bull Arena, that's a hell of a turnaround considering where this team was two years ago. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, look, nothing against them playing at Rutgers, you know, over at the uh, soccer stadium. But still, though, uh, I mean, still, I mean, depending on how you get there, it's still a trek. Whether you drive it or you take New Jersey Transit and then you take uh, an Uber to get over to the campus to watch these games. Being at Red Bull Arena, it's a lot better. It's a lot easier. Obviously, you can still take New Jersey Transit to Newark Penn Station, then hop on the path for one stop to Harrison. Just walk on over. Um, you know, if you're not aware of this, uh, Jason, Governor Murphy did declare now that outdoor seating for sporting events like, you know, MetLife Stadium for the NFL, including Red Bull Arena, minor league baseball, they are now allowing 50% capacity for outdoor sporting events. So if this means that Gotham FC is allowed more than what, uh, you know, what Red Bulls are doing right now, which is, of course, it's at the moment 2,000 fans at the moment. I don't know if they will make it bigger or they'll make it 50% fuller. Uh, to allow more fans, but we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, look, if Gotham says, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to go the lower bowl only, and it's sold out, hats off to Gotham FC. You know, the women's game has been growing very strongly, and finally it looks like, you know, NWSL uh, is getting bigger and better. Thank goodness for that. The women's game is, you know, huge now. In the You know, all over the world, it's getting better. I mean, there's probably still some countries that are – not on board yet, but, you know, give them time. They will be on board. But, you know, finally, you know, you love to see the growth of the women's game becoming much better and much bigger and equal to the men's game. So hats off to Gotham FC for having a sold out lower bowl at Red Bull Arena. 
congratulations to them, and let's hope they have a great regular season. Yeah. Uh, I was going to try to watch that NWSL match. Unfortunately, I couldn't because of last-minute wedding stuff and Mother's Day. Of course. And so I'm hoping that at some point to watch some of the games on Paramount Plus and and see some good good soccer out of them. All right. So now we come to what's going to be the last segment of the night since Pat and Truman are here. It's time for the dumping grounds. I'm the trash man. <laughs> That's right. I don't think you, you have not been on when we've been doing these segments, so you don't know about the sound nope. we put out. No, I haven't. That is so cool. Where did you find that? <laughs> well, that's just that's a, literally a truck backing up over um, Danny DeVito in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. No, oh, okay. It was the episode where they, they, the guys decide to wrestle, and he, his character is the trash man. <laughs> Woo! That's awesome. Great job. All right. So what is tonight's dumping ground, Jay? All right. So the one thing I have written down might be some of the biggest news for MLS this week. The Columbus crew are officially no more. They are now just Columbus Soccer Club. Yeah. (laughs) Uh... An unnecessary rebrand in which the supporters said, to the team. There will be a backlash if you go through with this. Apparently, one, so the team had talks with some of leadership of the Nordec, uh, which is the supporter section out there in Columbus. Apparently, one of the guys in the leadership is a mark, marketing guy, like he works for a marketing firm. Yes. Provided an 18-page report saying why this is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And the team said, no, we know better than you, and just... Went through with it anyway. Yes. This comes not even two years after the Save the Crew movement worked and kept Anthony Precourt from moving his team down to Austin, uh, to be, which is what his new team now is. New owners literally bought the team two years ago to save the team from leaving the state, and they just shit all over the branding. Yeah. You know... Um, this has been, you know, a big talking point with some people, especially on social media. Um, is it, are are we trying to be, uh, an American league? Are we trying to be a world league with all these different names? I mean, look, when, when this league got started, you know, Colorado Rapids, um, New England Revolution, Tampa Bay Mutiny, uh, Dallas Burn, San Jose Clash, Kansas City Wiz. New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. Uh, Columbus Crew. You know, and yeah, the, the names were quirky. And, you know, some of the logos and some of the things were, uh, you know... Not really looking good at the time, but you know, a league had to get started somehow. The you know, the league tried to basically distance themselves from the original you know teams that were in the North American Soccer League, but you know, 
these names stood for something. They stuck, and it did work. Now, obviously, Metro Stars is no more. It's New York Red Bulls. Um, Dallas Burn, now FC Dallas. The uh, the return of the San Jose Earthquakes from the Clash. I mean, the Tampa Bay Mutiny did not last that long, unfortunately. I, I mean, you have a, a cyber bat as a logo with a uh, Spanish shield in front. I, I didn't understand the bat thing, but whatever. Uh, San Jose <laughs> Clash was a freaky scorpion. Whatever, you know, that's what they wanted to do. Los Angeles Galaxy, you know, they're still there, you know, L.A. Galaxy. You know, why Galaxy? Because of the L.A. in the middle of the word. I mean, okay, whatever, a strange space cyclone logo thing, whatever. And, of course, Kansas City Wiz, short for, you know, Wizard of Oz. You know, they had a rainbow in the in the logo, the ball. I, I can even remember... Uh, Jay, uh, an MLS uh, merchandise catalog. And when you got to the Kansas City section, they were selling a T-shirt with, you know, the flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz movie. You ever you ever see Wizard of Oz? Yeah, I mean, the flying I'm not, monkeys. I'm not that young. I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure. But you remember the flying monkeys going after Dorothy and the Scarecrow and all that stuff? Yeah. Well, there was a T-shirt, and I swear to God, this this is it was a image of a big gorilla with a red with a small red hat, like those uh, old bellhop red hats with wings, wearing a Kansas City Wiz soccer jersey. And I'll never forget the words on top. He's sitting on top of a soccer ball, and he's holding a red card. And it says, and I, I'll, I'll, I never forget this: red cards, bad monkeys. What the hell is that supposed to mean? <laughs> red cards, bad monkeys. I mean, this, this was the late '90s, so I guess. Yes, it's... it was. It, it was the late '90s. So that was uh, the Major League Soccer merchandise catalog, and they had sections for each team, you know, to purchase a jersey, merchandise, T-shirts, keychains, pins, whatever. That was on the Kansas City Wiz at the time. Then, of course, Wizards, now sporting Kansas City, of course. Um, I mean, look, I, I don't mind at times if you want to feel like you want to, you know, um, bring in a European feel or something like that or maybe a South American feel, however you want to do it. But, I mean, look, when you talk about clubs like Arsenal, when you talk about clubs like Boca Juniors, if you talk about PSG, um, if you talk about Rangers, Celtic, you know, um, Chelsea, and, you know, all those different clubs, you know, look, that works for them because that's what they've been known to be called. It's not a big deal. River Plate, Gremio, Palmeiras, you know, even in in Mexico, you have Club America. I mean, that's what they are, they've been known as, you know, or even Pachuca or Cruz Azul because it's not bad to be called, of course, 
everyone knows, and I'm going to bring it up, the New York Cosmos, and everyone knows who the New York Cosmos are because Pele was there. You know, Beckenbauer was there. Canalia was there. Werner Roth was the American player. He was on that team, and he was the best of the best American players to be on the New York Cosmos. You know, the Washington Diplomats and the Tampa Bay Rowdies, and they're back, and you know, Seattle Sounders, Portland Timbers, these are old names in the NASL, and now they're back in, you know, playing in MLS, and they've been back for a long time. It's not difficult, and it's not shameful to have a nickname associated with the team. You just have to do it the right way. I'm not against the names of like FC Dallas or Orlando City or New York City FC. Well, actually, I'll I am kind of against it, but that's just a different thing. But yeah, I call. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I I don't mind these names. I mean, these names have been around for a long time in American soccer history for the last maybe twenty to thirty years. I mean, look, everyone knew who the Rochester Rhinos were until, of course, now they're probably not going to come back ever again, which is a shame. Everyone knows who the Charleston Battery is. You know, everyone knows about the Houston Dynamo. Everyone knows about, you know, Atlanta United or Atlanta Silver. Well, I don't think a lot of people know about the Silverbacks. I mean, oh, and love. And it's just a shame that we're going too much into, I guess, the Eurocentric type of naming a club. Austin FC, fine, whatever. Here we go again. Um,. At you least, but at least with Austin, it's a new club, right? True. So there's no history, so that's the thing for me. Is the Columbus Crew name has 25 plus years of history at this point? Exactly. And you throw the history away. Exactly. I'm, and I'm sure Metro Stars fans sort of felt the same way when Red Bull bought the team. They had a, what was it, 10 plus years of history at that point. Red Bulls came in. It's like, no, we're just gonna, you're gonna be New York Red Bulls now, and that's it. Right. Which, agree with it or not, at least it's not a European style name, right? No, it's not. If you're going to change a name like that, at least don't go to European style because then it just seems like you're trying to fit a a mold that you don't belong in. Exactly. Um, So that's the biggest thing for me is they're throwing away the history of the team to do this. Exactly. And you know what? I I will admit that when the Columbus crew came out, with the three gentlemen, with the you know the construction workers, with the hard hats, trying to look you know mean and everything, you know you think to yourself at first back in the day like what the hell is that? And okay, so if that's what it is, that's what it is. But then they went to that you can say uh, a black and gold uh, Bayern Munich style crest, and it still said Columbus Crew on it. And you're thinking to yourself, well, you know what? I'm glad they kept the name, and I didn't mind the the shield. I thought it was great to go to a. I mean, I mean, if that is the new Columbus SC badge, that's going to be on the jerseys. Um, they could have done a better job than that. I, I really think they really should never have removed the crew name. They really shouldn't have. And that's the and that's the weirdest thing to me, right? That logo, you didn't have to call it Columbus SC. You could just change the logo and kept it the crew. That's exactly. If you really wanted to rebrand, just rebrand the logo itself and say like, you know, 
we have history with this logo. We understand how much it means to this community, but we, you know, given save the crew, we want to provide a new identity for this team going forward. One more integrated with our community and our state, because apparently the outline of it comes from the Ohio state flag. Like all of that becomes, okay, that's understandable to me. We're going to keep the name, but we're going to make the logo more inclusive. Right. Okay, great. You're not changing your identity. You're just making a new logo to represent your brand. But specifically when they throw Columbus SC, that changes everything. I it mean, does. I think I think technically they were Columbus Crew SC already. Mm-hmm. And then they just dropped the crew part of it. But it's right. just, if it was just a logo, it's one thing. But it's when you throw the name change in there, it completely changes the identity of the team. And I don't remember when the team went away from the, the three guys as part of their logo. Right. And and granted, that's definitely a very 90s PR firm <laughs> logo. But to me, that represented identity for the club, even if it didn't. Right. Because I, I didn't really start paying attention until 2011. But my understanding of Columbus ever since then was they are going to play hard physical soccer and do what they need to do to get a win. Exactly. Three guys on the on the crest like that with hard hats, that tells me without having to know anything else, that's an image of we're here to take care of business. Oh, absolutely. And, and, that, that's, and that makes sense. Yeah. No, exactly. And to get rid of uh, that type of history, uh, to remove the crew name from the Columbus part, um, of the crest is wrong. It's absolutely wrong. Look, um, you don't see Manchester United getting rid of their devil logo in the shield. You don't see them rebranding themselves with that shield because that shield for Manchester United is basically what they stand for. I mean, okay, Manchester City did change their crest, but you know they made it more manchester friendly like this is why we changed it because we want to let everyone know it's still city but this is the real crest of manchester representing the city as a whole so you know that's what the, i mean inter uh, inter milan tweaked their crest but it's still the same thing it's just a little bit more broader i mean psg they've changed which is of course paris saint germain they've tweak their their crest as well it's a little more bolder a little more bigger still has the eiffel tower in it so i i mean you can change it but you can't just destroy it and i think unfortunately for the haslams and dr edwards i mean it's a situation where you know they've gotten this one wrong yeah It sucks. Hopefully, they decide to reverse it and go back to the Columbus Crew. And honestly, it's a weird time to even introduce a change. Like exactly. Why, if you're going to do the change, why not start the season with it? Exactly. But, I I don't understand it either. I mean, after everything we've been through with this pandemic, uh, trying to fight to have a season, we all know the CBA was uh, uh, ripped apart redone you know reconfigured so we can at least have a season this year and hopefully everything else is going to turn into something great because i mean look 
<laughs> we're we're all sick and tired of of wearing our masks. And I'm not saying we should stop wearing our masks. We have to continue to wear our masks. So hopefully this this damned pandemic is over with because I want it to be over with. I want us to get back to regular normality. I want to see a full Red Bull Arena. I want to see a full um, you know, uh brand new crew stadium that's going to start up, you know, this coming summer. Uh, a full Subaru Park. I want to see full everything, not just for MLS, but for our national teams when they're performing in friendlies or a World Cup qualifier or the cup, upcoming Gold Cup now that's uh, going to start this July. I, I want to see us get back to regular normality so we don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. Yeah, <clears throat> that's ultimately where we should be heading is inclusive. Well, Working together to get towards being back in person. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, this where this all started from, a uh, name change and identity change like this is, runs opposite to all of that. So Exactly. All right. Um, that was all I had. Is there anything you want to bring up that's you know random in the world? It doesn't have to be soccer. It can be, actually, you know what? Because Pat and Jim are, Jets, are not Jets fans, I wouldn't get to talk about it. <laughs> Here we go! <laughs> Did the Jets make the right move, that quarterback? Let me say this. I have never felt so sad for a quarterback that was playing for the Jets because a certain general manager did not believe in him and did not want to believe in him. I mean, look, Zach Wilson... He could be the real deal. We'll have to wait and see. But, you know, Sam Darnold um, did not get any uh, support from Joe Douglas. He took away weapon after weapon after weapon after weapon away from him. Sam Darnold, in my opinion, got shafted by Joe Douglas. Because when you don't fix the offensive line and when you take away players like um, Le'Veon Bell and you also take away players like Robbie Anderson who was doing wonderful things with him and you're limiting your Ryan Griffin, you're limiting um, Chris Herndon, what's what's your quarterback going to do? He's not going to do anything. And so, in my opinion, Sam Darnold got shafted. It's a shame. And now you got Joe. You know, this wasn't because of his ability. This wasn't because, oh, if we had the number three pick, then we would have kept Sam. No, that's just a ruse. You, It was basically a salary dump to get rid of Sam Darnold because he didn't want to be on the hook for $25 million after the fourth year. That's all it was. I feel bad for Sam Darnold. Uh, I hope he does well in Carolina. And if he wins a Super Bowl before Zach Wilson does, well, who do we have to point the finger of blame at? It's Joe Douglas. I, you know, look, glad Joe Douglas made those deals or made those picks in the draft this past uh, April. Um, you know, you got this kid from South Car- uh, South Cal- Southern California who's going to be on the left side with Makai Becton. 
He's the left side is basically protected for Zach Wilson, but that should have been for Darnold. That should have been for Darnold. When you have an inept head coach in Adam Gase, and you have a general manager taking away Darnold's weapons, and the only person he's got available to throw at is Jameson Crowder, there's something wrong here. Something is wrong. But so now, is, yeah. Is that so? The question really is: Is that on Douglas or is it on Gase? Because I feel like Gase created a toxic environment that facilitated Douglas having to offload people that were unhappy, right? Because well, when Le'Veon Bell was signed, it was before Gase became the coach. As soon as Gase was the coach, one of the first things he said was, oh, I would not have picked him. I know. I know. So I, know. I think I think Douglas, to a degree, had his hands tied in having to get rid of some of these players. I mean, we could have spent on Robbie Anderson, but I don't think they want – they either didn't have the cap room or didn't want to spend on him. I um, think they didn't want to. I, I think they were okay with the cap. I just don't think they wanted to spend the money uh, on him. But we got rid of Le'Veon Bell halfway through the year after a year and a half of not using him correctly. Exactly. Um, and he was happy being the backup in Kansas City. I mean, that, that tells you a lot. It does. Guy, you're, you're starting running back. Leaves, leaves, forces a trade basically, goes to, I you know what realistically was a Super Bowl team, and is happy playing backup, and he's under thirty in the NFL. That tells you a lot of how bad that environment was to begin with. So I'm not saying Douglas couldn't have done more, but I think his hands were sort of tied with Adam Gase for for some of those moves. No, it, it is. It, this is all Adam Gase's fault as well. No, I'm not excusing him either. Adam, I mean, no one, no Jet, no sane Jet fan <clears throat> wanted to hear the name of Adam Gase being the head coach of, of of the football team that you and I root for. We didn't want him here. And look what he's done. The man thinks he knows more than everyone else when he doesn't know a damn thing. A man who keeps throwing and throwing, who and once again you have an offensive line that's not strong, and once again you got a guy who you know, <laughs> you know he puts his players in, in bad positions to get hurt, and then you know, well I shouldn't have done that. Well, of course you shouldn't have done that. You should have known when to not put him in there. Remember the game, the the, the season opener last year in Buffalo, uh, Le'Veon Bell. He's Pulling no, the, that was that was that was at the Meadowlands. Or sorry, not no, 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 no. It was in Buffalo. It was in Buffalo. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of 19, not 20. Okay, last year I'm talking about. Yeah, last year in Buff, last year in Buffalo to start the season. Le'Veon Bell pulled a hamstring, and Gase was like, "No, no, no, go back out there, go back out there." And then he pulled it some more, and then he's out for the next couple of weeks. And then Gase goes, "Well, I probably shouldn't have done that." No. Shouldn't have done that. You should know when not to injure your players. Seems like such a simple thing. <laughs> it is a simple thing, and this is a schmuck that doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, you know, his buddy and Peyton Manning got him both the Miami job and the Jet job. Ridiculous stuff. It is. Yeah, but thankfully, the Jets will have hopefully a, a better direction now. That Woody's back from the UK. Uh, uh, I like Robert Salah. 
as head coach of the Jets. I love his attitude. I love his, uh, you know, uh, his energy. I, I don't know. You didn't probably see the, the, the press conference. You're probably working, but uh, because I know you're down in the Maryland, D.C. area, I'm still up here in New York and New Jersey, and I watched the press conference from SNY, and I swear to God, all that energy was pouring out of my TV, Jay, and I was going like, oh, let's go. Let's go get it. Let's go. I, I heard bits – after the fact, I heard bits and pieces of that press conference, and I was feeling energized about that too. And yeah. I, I think it I think it tells because multiple players have said how much uh, his energy has gotten them excited to be exactly. a part of this team. I mean, and that plus the draft picks. Like Zach Wilson was reaching out to his – the other guys, as soon as they were being selected, which tells you a lot about his mentality mm-hmm. coming to his team, that he's <coughs> he he's the draft pick for the Jets, but he's already reaching out. And he's like, let's see what we can do together to make this team great. Like the two of them together have me not a hundred percent hope because I'm never going to be hundred percent with the Jets. No, no. I mean, look, but, <laughs> I, I think right now, if you're thinking about this season, I expect more losses than wins, which is fine. But if they come out of the gate and surprise the hell out of us, then, you know, that's – it's gravy. It's gold. I mean, technically right? anything over two wins is gold at this point. Exactly. Exactly. Anything over two wins is gold at this point. If they get five wins, I'm happy. I don't care. But it's not about what they do this year. It's about showing some promise – um, you know, on Zach Wilson's part and on the offense, seeing what the offensive line, you know, being fixed looks like so far with like maybe a maybe like a little more than half fixed with the offensive line and seeing what these weapons can do to see what's going on, like with the running backs and what the defensive line is going to do, the secondary is going to do, you know, um, right now you just want to see progress. You want to see progress, and you want to see what they are going to do with a guy like Robert Salah, and and you know how much are they going to be in the game? If they're going to be in the game till the end, and they only lose by maybe a field goal, or maybe even by a point, you cannot say that we're not on the right track because it looks like that we could be. Could we be last in the AFC East? Yeah, I would say so. But if there's progress and positive progress moving forward, then you know what? You can say that, all right, 2021 is not our year, but 2022 is. Yeah, that improvement. That's the name of the game. If you can improve, then you're on a good track, and then you just need a few more pieces to finish it out. That's that's where it needs to be. Exactly. All right, I think we've taken up <coughs> enough time here. Especially Have we? With, uh, it's been an hour, and we've. But you've seemed so lonely without Pat and Truman. Come on, no. <laughs> hey, I still have wedding stuff to get to. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> All right, uh, but before dun, we wrap up with our dun, stuff, dun, uh, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. yeah, that's that's the one thing I don't have. Um, <laughs> All right, so uh, before we wrap up with our usual stuff, uh, Dan, uh, once again, let let the people know where they can find you online and read your stuff, listen to you, all that all that good stuff. Well, obviously, Twitter is uh, D Foyerstein, capital letter D, capital letter F, lowercase E U E R S is in Sam T E I N. Please come to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Foyerstein's fire. There's no apostrophe above the S. Um, 
Now I'm writing uh, on my own website, DanielFoyerstein.com, and that is all social and uh, podcasting and, of course, uh, website doing on my end of things. So uh, it's been a long time, Jay. Thank you for uh, reaching out to me, and it's a lot of fun. And if you need me again, let's hope uh, Pat and Truman are available. We can have uh, the, the top four again. <laughs> that would be definitely nice. <clears throat> all right. So you can visit us at patreon.com slash Rant. One buck a month is all you need to get exclusive content, such as our monthly wrap-ups, live post games, anything we decide to do. Like, like I said last week, maybe Pat, Trim, and I will do something at the wedding. We'll see. Uh, you can email us at redbullrant at gmail.com if you want to give us your thoughts. You can also call us at our voicemail line, 973-348-5329, facebook.com slash redbullrant on Twitter, at redbullrant for the show, at Dr. Stoots for myself. Pat is still TBD, so I don't know if he's getting uh, back on Twitter, at the Truman for Truman. Subscribe to our show via iTunes, Stitcher Radio, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. <clears throat> Dan, since you're still here, last thoughts before we wrap this one up. Last thought is this. Um, you know, I've been watching the Red Bull videos, you know, after these games are played and, you know, what they do at training, what they do during the game and after the game. And let me just say this. Gerhard Struber to me is the uh, German version of Jesse Marsh. Um, I love his energy. I, I love his uh, direction with the club and informing them what they have to do, what they need to do and go out there. And, you know, they needed so a voice like that uh, to get sparked and to move forward here. I'm enjoying Gerhard Struber right now. Obviously, I had no idea what it was all about, but watching the, the Red Bull videos for the start of the season. I'm enjoying what he's doing. I think the Red Bulls got themselves a very good head coach, and uh, let's hope it's three in a row uh, down in Philadelphia this coming Saturday. Yeah, we can only hope. All right, so for Dan Forrestie and myself, this has been episode 360 of the Red Bull Rant. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, go Red Bulls. Go Red Bulls. Go Red Bulls.